can I be transgender and a Christian? I had this thought that came into my mind. God made a mistake. I'm a girl. Even when mom took my sisters to go get their ears pierced, I asked mom, well, can I get my ears pierced too? I spent over $100,000 easy on all of the therapy, surgeries. What's up? What's up? Welcome to the Uncomplicated Podcast number 12. Today, you're going to meet a dear friend of mine, and you're going to get the answer to one of our most requested questions. Can I be transgender and a Christian. This question has come in so many times, and that's why my man Billy Burley is all the way here from, are you in Idaho now? Yes, I'm in Idaho now, but I came from Louisiana. Yeah, that's where the accent's from, but we didn't yeah. meet in Louisiana. We met in, in... No, we actually I met in Lompoc, California. So you've been all over the place, right? Well, I have been. Worked Many for states. NASA, right? A little bit, yeah. a little bit. an engineer, brilliant man. So yeah. tell me a little bit about your story or tell us a lot of, I got a cup of coffee. I want to hear the long version. I want to hear every detail. And I'm sure there's a lot of people that want to hear this too. And that's why this question has come in so many times. So whatever, however much you want to share, we we're here to listen, my man. I'm an open book. So along the way, stop me, ask whatever questions you want. Um, You're an open book. And my wife says I'm an interrupter. So this is going to be a good, it's going to work out <laughs> great. So, uh, t- t- I mean, start from the, start from wherever, start from Louisiana. You know, in Louisiana. Uh, Bible Belt. Bible Belt. Born in New Orleans, grew up in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Uh, in the first grade, I was in the uh, front of the school. Everybody met in front of the school before the first bell right. to assemble, so I was in front of the school. And in front of the school, all of a sudden, I had this thought that came into my mind. God made a mistake. I'm a girl. Wow. Out of the blue. Now, i got to tell you, uh, that right before that thought, I was standing in, in the uh, schoolyard, and I was thinking, oh, where do I belong? Mm. I was a kid that had a speech impediment. I also had learning uh, difficulties. I um, wasn't very coordinated, so I really didn't feel like I felt, uh, fit in with the rest of the boys. You, you're saying you're in first grade, Billy, so that's like... You're like five or six or seven years old at this point, right? I was right around five, four or five, because because of my learning difficulties and speech impediment, I actually repeated the first grade twice. I, I, I went through first grade twice. The fact that you could even remember this, this a thought coming into your mind, that's a significant moment in your life. I can't remember much when I was five years old. So this is, you're like, I'm standing in front of the school. You, you remember not feeling like you could fit in, right? It's kind of an insecure moment for you. You know, it was such a significant moment in my life. I can almost play it back like a movie in my mind. Wow. Because the thought was so out of the blue and so strange. It was like, I look in the mirror. I'm not a girl. Right. Where did this thought come from? But the thing is, it was a very persistent, intrusive thought. So before I'd go to bed at night, I would um, actually have this thought coming into my mind over and over again. I tried thinking about different things, but it kept coming into my mind. Mm. And so I didn't tell anybody because, you know, being down there, um, it was such a strange thought. People would react funny to me. I was reacting funny to the thought. I didn't tell anyone. Mm. Not for a long, long time. Mm. So in the sixth grade, I'll share that I was also sexually abused. So... um. That also played into God made a mistake, I'm a girl, because at that point, after being sexually abused, I really hated the appendage God gave me. Mm. So I wanted it gone. It's like it shouldn't be there. Wow. So eventually I learned how to manage with these thoughts because somewhere around the 8th to ninth grade, I got into swimming, and up until then, my friend, I was doing horrible in school. I mean, I was studying really, really hard to make C's and D's in spelling Mm. in my other classes. Which is so crazy because you're so brilliant. I mean, you're an engineer. You've worked on all these high-tech military. I mean, you've worked worked in NASA. Like, to think of you in a situation where you 
weren't perf- performing, I mean, you're such an achiever. And that's it. Because once I set my mind on a goal, I tried to achieve it. Many people thought that I wouldn't go very far in life. But I remember that in the sixth grade, I, because so many people were not believing in me, I made the decision that I was going to go on further than many of my other classmates. Mm. So I got a bachelor's of engineering, a bachelor's of science in mechanical engineering, Mm. master's of science in mechanical engineering. Oh, wow. I have my PE license in two states, my professional engineering license. You didn't tell me any of this. Wow. I've uh, even, I'll share this. So Endless Pools has a hydraulic motor that they use uh, to turn their propeller to create the current in Uh their water. Uh And uh, I don't know if they switched out their motors since, but I was the one who designed the hydraulic motor for that application. Wow. So, so that was fun. Imagine, imagine your 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 first grade self repeating first grade, knowing that later you're going to be inventing and creating things that are gonna they're gonna change change people's lives and work. And that's that's radical to think that you were in a place similar to I mean I think where many of us are, where we begin to believe lies about ourselves that if we don't catch those lies, they could set a trajectory for our life. Absolutely. So you're, you're in first grade, you're having a hard time fitting in, this lie comes into your head that says, you're not, what was it specifically, this, this voice? God this made thought? a mistake, I'm a girl. God made that a mistake, was the thought. I'm a girl. Okay, I wonder how many people who searched, can I be transgender and a Christian on YouTube, or how many people who are listening to this on Spotify or whatever, have had this thought go through my head? I'm a mistake. God shouldn't have made me. Oh, many. I believe many. Or he made me wrong, right? So I think Absolutely. a lot of people are relating to your story so far. I know that I have things in my mind that I'm tempted to believe a lot. So keep going. Yeah. And so I had this thought. I didn't know what to do with it. So right there around ninth grade, eighth, ninth grade, I got into swimming year round. So so many people that are in my situation with troublesome thoughts uh, may get into alcoholism, drugs, or even cutting, uh, self-harm. You know, I actually got into exercise. Mm. So I started swimming. uh, So... My schedule. At 4.30 in the morning, I'd get up, and I'd be in the water by 5.30. Swim for an hour and a half. After that, I'd dry off, drive to school, be at school um, until the end of the day. And I also participated in the marching and symphonic band. So we usually had practice after school. But I always had to get out early from band so that I could drive back to LSU to swim for two more hours in the afternoon. And then after that, drive home, unpack my uh, bag, take the wet clothes out, put dry clothes back in for the next day. How old were you? Um, ninth grade, 15. So this is 15. high school years. You're just staying distracted and you're just working out and that's keep, oh yeah, keeping the thoughts at bay? Oh, yeah, because I didn't have uh, relaxed time or downtime any at all because before I started doing that, um, when I had downtime or when I was going to bed at night and, you know, sometimes you get into bed and you just kind of lay in bed and you wait for sleep to come. Yeah. Well, with that type of routine, sleep came very quickly once I was working out twice a day. Getting yourself tired, you can go to sleep easier. Oh yeah. Immediately. Because yeah. I only got on average, maybe about six hours of sleep a night. You're laying in bed at night, ninth grade, 10th grade, 11th grade. If you don't go to sleep, what are you thinking about? Oh, that thought's in my mind. God made a mistake, and I'd I'd be thinking, you know, also, um, so I had two sisters, a younger sister and an older sister that I grew up with, and I would look at how my parents would treat them and what they were going through, and even when mom took my sisters to go get their ears pierced, I asked mom, well, can I get my ears pierced too? My Mm. sisters are. Mm. And so I was actually thinking about being a girl, that why am I in this body? So my thoughts would go all over the place. But in working out and training, I would go instantly to sleep. I wouldn't be thinking about any of that. So in a way, I had a way to put all of those emotions into a closet. Mm. And I did that by working out and working myself as hard as I could so I could be as tired as I could, go to sleep, I'd be in this routine, I'd be studying, no time for free thought. So 
you're you're here and you're in and and just let you know I've known Billy for years and he's he has said like to ask questions right and yes I mean I'm not you pretty much told me nothing's off limits with this and and if if I were if I were to ask the wrong question and you were uncomfortable with it we would just edit this out anyways let's just be honest right so uh here you are you're a young man 15 years old when I was going to bed at 15 years old I was thinking about girls so you you're you're thinking about maybe you're supposed to be would it would you say I'm a man I'm a woman trapped in a man's body is that the kind of thoughts so at that particular time with this confusion that was going on in my mind and it was totally confusing you're 15 you're going through puberty right but I wasn't thinking about girls or our boys or or anything I'm like I I'm trying to get rid of this thought gotcha it was really a battle. It was really a battle that was going on in my mind, uh, confusing. So I tried to deal with it. I didn't have room to deal with any anything else. So and I, that was my way of coping all the way up through high school. And then I got out of uh, high school, and I walked onto the LSU swim team. That was fun. Kept me busy. I kept working out. I was doing good. But, you know, my friend, when I was uh, about – in my third or fourth year of college, I met this beautiful lady, and I fell in love. Now, the thing about love, love is such a powerful emotion that when I fell in love, all of a sudden, the closet where I shove in all of my other emotions and everything else, because anytime I was having a breakdown, I would go to exercise, and exercise, exercise would help me close that right, door. Right, 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 That, um... I was having to come apart. I fell in love. The door blew off. And, and things, I, I was coming apart. I was I was spiraling downward. And I actually went to my sister to tell her, um, sis, I got this problem. I got this thought that I'm a girl. And I don't know what to do with it. She helped me. She pointed me toward a sexuality therapist. And uh, I started going to therapy. So I was hoping that I could deal with it very quickly because I didn't want these thoughts. It could have gone bad with your sister, huh? It could have, but we have a really good relationship. She's the first person you ever told about this? Very first person. Wow. And you're how old? About 21. So for 21 years, you didn't talk to anybody about this? No one. I kept that thought in here. And then you fell in love with a woman, and then you said you're starting to just... And now it's just too much, too much emotion going on in your heart. And then you have everything going on in your body. And you're like, I have to tell somebody. And then she says, I'm here for you. Let's get you a therapist. That's, that's the case. Yeah. Because. It's a good sister. Well, at that point, working out wasn't even helping me. So everything so we started suffering. My grades, everything. What about your faith? Did you grow up in church or? You know, I grew up in the Catholic church. So I did grow up on. Uh, Knowing Jesus, seeing Jesus on the cross, and the Catholic Church and growing up, I never did learn the Bible. And, uh, my friend, I went to a Catholic school from kindergarten through 12th grade, and I learned to be a good person. I learned many things about the church, the traditions in the church, but not once did we dive into the Bible and the w- Word of God. So I knew of God but I didn't know God. You know what I mean? Sure. You had like a picture of who God is that was fairly accurate. Yeah. Jesus, but maybe to, to say like a relationship with him would be kind of an interesting way to describe it. I didn't have a relationship. Right. I, he was distant. Yeah. And I was taught that if I did my earthly best, God would do his heavenly best. So I had to, I had to cope. I was praying, but I was trying to cope with my own problems. Mm. So I was having this come apart, and I told the lady I was dating at the time that I was having this come apart and that maybe, well, I told her we need to break off the relationship because I need to deal with this and I need to continue with therapy because I didn't want to want this. And she told me that if I was going to therapy and if I could overcome this problem, that she loved me so much she wanted to stay with me. Wow. So I said, okay. That's exactly what I want as well. So we agreed to stay together. And after about four years of staying together, we decided that we should get married. 
Okay. Because at that point, you know, four years dating, well, what, what's next? Are we going to break up? What was it like for her to be married to you and you have this, this, um, I, I guess we're just going to call it this nonstop thought going on in your mind. What is, was, did she sense that you think? Did you, were you able to talk to her about that? Did that bring you guys closer together or far, farther apart? Oh, actually it brought us further apart or divided us because I kept my thoughts to myself. Mm. But what happens is usually our actions flow out of our thoughts. Right. So I, I was having all of these thoughts. I was acting on them a little bit. And uh, so the lady that I married, uh, she kept her distance. And, and we had, I brought so much baggage into the marriage that we had a horrible time. And mm. after three years of marriage, it came apart. Mm. We divorced. So, after, and I was in therapy maybe about three or four years at this time trying to deal with my problems. Mm. So, we divorced. She's out, my, out of my life. I'm on my own. And I'm still in therapy trying to deal with this thought, this confusion. And... So after about five years of being in therapy, depression started to set in and thoughts of suicide started to come into my mind. Mm. I was not suicidal, but thoughts of suicide was coming into my mind and I was withdrawing from my family and my friends. What does that mean you were not suicidal, but the thoughts of suicide were coming into your mind? I value life. I believe life is an absolute gift. And that if I ended my life because I believed in God, that as soon as I ended this physical life, I'd be standing in front of God. And I was not prepared to meet him under those conditions. Mm. I didn't want to. I was afraid of him. So I had to find a way to live, to survive. And so what I did at that time in going through therapy I actually tried to do some research. I went to the LSU library and tried to look up as much information I could on transgenderism. And everything that I read, the books that I read, the journal articles I read, told me that I had a birth defect that somehow maybe in uterine, my brain was washed with the wrong hormones. Okay. And that the only way... I could find happiness was to change my body to match my mind. Okay. And I didn't believe it at first, but after five years of trying to deal with the issues and the problems, I bought into it. I said, okay, if this is what I need to do to live, I'm in. My friend, I turned that boat 180 degrees. I lifted the sails and I went as fast as I could in that direction. I told my therapist uh, my decision that I wanted to transition, she gave me a hug. She said, Billy, I knew you were going to reach this point at some time. I didn't know it was going to take so long. Wow. She then gave me a note to go to an endocrinologist to start on cross-sex hormones and testosterone blocker and uh, to get on the road to transitioning to presenting as a female. So for how old are you at this point? Oh, good question. Um, I was around 28, 27, 28 at this point. So you go to, so, so, so this thought enters your mind that you are a woman at the age of five. Yes. You go till 21 without telling anybody about it. You tell your sister. Correct. She connects you with the therapist, and you're in therapy while, while you're married. This yes. marriage breaks apart. You continue in therapy for years until now you're how old? About another year or two years until I was about 27. And then you say, after you research on your own, you're saying, okay, I've tried to deny this this whole time, and now I'm just going to, as you say, turn the boat 180 degrees and lift the sails. Right. And so you went straight into medicine and hormones, and how, how, how far did you go with surgeries and... I mean, how much do you want to share? I'll share it all. Okay. So I uh, was on the hormones for about three years before I went through surgery. 
Now, I was working out. My body fat was down maybe around 6 7%. Yeah, you're if an athlete. You, you're if, still if, an athlete. If you looked at me, I, I, I was a man. Yeah. I was a man. Even with all of the hormones that I took, it did not completely soften my body. Mm. But I had to also start dressing as a female and presenting as a female. Mm. So now I'm a man in a dress, mm-hmm. so to speak. And so I was starting to receive looks, getting some ridicule. People were talking. But I had to find my happiness. I was so miserable. Mm. So if that's what I had to do to find my happiness, I was going to do it, and I did it. And then somewhere around the age 30, 31, I actually went through my first surgery. The first surgery was a penal inversion. It was a two-part surgery, so that was part one. An Adam's apple shave and a brow shave. Because I looked so much like a man, if I was going to do this, I had to take really big steps to try to move to presenting and looking like a woman. Yeah. And I did. So, you know, coming out that first surgery, um, they couldn't stop the bleeding. And so I I was bleeding significantly from my new artificial man-made vagina. And uh, I already had gauze in there, and they had to put more gauze in. And then they also put a sandbag on my lower abdomen to try to put that pressure on to stop the bleeding. But I was losing so much blood, I had to have a blood transfusion and plasma. Wow. The bleeding eventually stopped. Um, I don't know if I would have lost my life, but I eventually, I, I very well could have. But the bleeding stopped. Wow. So, um... My two-week stay in the hospital turned into a three-week stay. Oh, so you went in, what is it called, a penal inversion? Inversion. Inversion. And it left you in the hospital for two weeks? No, well, that was the planned amount of time in the hospital, in the bed was two weeks. That's a pretty gnarly surgery then, I imagine. Oh, it is. I mean, it's very complicated and uh, very dangerous, and you can lose your life in this surgery. But I was desperate at that point, and I needed to do it. Um, so I had that complication. My mother and my aunt later uh, shared with me that the room reeked of so much blood, dry, stale blood. Mm. It was absolutely horrible. I got through that, and I was able to recover. But that was only part one of a two-part surgery. And because I spent three weeks in the hospital, um, it took extra resources. And the second part was about four months after the first part, four to six months, somewhere in there. And so then I went to the second surgery solo on my own uh, from the hotel, took a taxi to uh, to have my surgery. That's scary. And then uh, afterwards got a uh, taxi to take me to the drugstore to get my prescriptions. And then after that, back to the hotel room to convalesce (laughs) by myself. Sheesh. Hey, you were dedicated, man. I wanted my happiness. You thought this was the only way? That's what I was led to believe. That was the only way. I had a birth defect. I'm hearing, I'm just hearing the journey of somebody who's really desperate. Yes. I was after my happiness. And, oh, I thought I was getting so close to, to being happy. I went through these surgeries. But the other I was, one was the Adam's apple, you said? Yep. A brow shave and an Adam's apple shave. What does a brow shave do? Okay. A lot of men have a hel- uh, heavy brow, yeah. and women don't. Okay. So actually, uh, with that surgery, what they did is they cut me from ear to ear over the top of my head, pulled my uh, skin down to expose the the forehead, shaved the forehead, pulled the skin back up, wow. and had stitches over the top of my head from ear to ear. Wow. Yeah. That was something. They shaved down your skull? Um, in a thin strip. Wow. So the strip was actually maybe an inch wide from ear to ear. So I had enough hair to try to comb over to cover it up. But, yeah, yeah, they had to get down to the skin. And then your uh, your Adam's apple? The Adam's apple, they uh, sliced across here, and they, they shaved the Adam's apple. Um, but, you know, that first surgery, they didn't take enough of it off to remove the prevalence of the Adam's apple. So I had so many surgeries. 
So in another surgery to try to feminize my voice. To feminize your voice. Yes, because testosterone does such work on the bone structure and also your voice that if a man to a female is going to pass as a female, you you don't want to look all nice and pretty and come across with a very deep manly voice. I never heard of the surgery till today. How do you how do you do how do you do a voice feminization surgery? What do you do? Well, what the surgeon did was put me into twilight sleep. Okay, and then uh, in twilight sleep, he he cut through here. He got to my vocal cords, and then he took some uh, sutures, surgical thread, and he actually I don't know where he looped it around. But the purpose was to tighten the vocal cords, to stretch them out a little bit, to elevate the pitch. Now, this had to be a surgery for which he had to speak to me while he was tightening the threads. So they brought me out of twilight sleep so I could speak while he was tightening those threads. Oh, my God. You remember this? Uh, Yeah, I do. Oh, my God. Yeah. And then um, after he got it to the point where he thought was just the right point, then they put me back into the twilight sleep and, and he finished up and he did a second shave of my Adam's apple. So did, I, the, the, did the, the surgery work on your voice? You know, it really did uh, for a long period of time until I detransitioned because when I detransitioned, my voice was still really high, but um, I worked and worked and worked to try to get it lower. And I did finally, I got it back into the low range but now with that uh, damage that's been done to my vocal cords, I got a very narrow singing range. Mm. I can't go up or, or down anymore. This this is it. All these surgeries that you're talking about, what what is it? Do you think that word "desperate" is the right word for me to put there? I mean, were you just did you see this as the only way? Yes, it was the only way. Only way for me to live. It seemed like. Um, that depression was setting in. I needed to find a way. I needed to do my earthly best to find a way to live. Mm. I was being told I had a birth defect. And so I went from one surgery to another. I went through those surgeries. I had rhinoplasty. I had a, a second brow shave. Um, and I, I worked very hard with growing my hair out learning to present myself as a female. And it got to a point where I passed pretty well, about 80% of the time. But that's 80% of the time and not 100% of the time. So about five years from the start, after the first surgery, all of a sudden I'm, I'm looking back at my life and I'm like, I have more problems now mm. than when I first started. Because the problems I had back before transitioning, I still had. Every time I looked in the mirror, I still saw Billy the man looking back at me. Mm. And so I needed more surgeries. Wow. All of the surgeries I had was not enough, and I was ready for another one. But after five years, I was thinking, this is ridiculous. I should have had or found or got to the happiness or at least a part of it that I was told was here, you know, like the gold pot over the rainbow, trying to get over the rainbow, get to the gold pot. I never got there. And with so many problems then, even more than I had when I started, I started reflecting back and wondering, what am I doing? And so um, at about uh, six years, I had another come apart. I'm like, after doing everything I could, to find my happiness, I was in another pit of despair, and this pit of despair was actually worse than the first pit of despair. So the thoughts of suicide was coming back in my mind, but suicide wasn't an option. All through this time, my friend, I was praying, talking to God, you know, fix me, help me, um, love me, um, but it was at that time in that pit, I remember I was in my Jeep. It was a blue Jeep, Grand Cherokee. I pulled over on the side of the road, and I just had to come apart. I called out to God, and I told God that I give my life to him. I, I give everything to him, 
and I give all of my problems to him, mm-hmm. that I have worked so hard to try to fix my problems that I've made such a big mess of myself and of life, and that um, if I was to live, he was going to have to make a way. And it was really neat because it's like I had a thought at that time that God said, finally, I have some clay to work with. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And for those of you who don't know, that's right out of the scripture where it says that we're like a vessel being made in his hands and he's the potter and we're the clay. Yeah, because essentially um, this picture comes into my mind. What I was essentially doing is I was in a car and the brake going downhill on a mountain road and the brakes has failed and driving white knuckle down the road trying to make the corners I was hollering out to God, God, help me, love me, keep me. Um, but all the time, I am steering the car. Mm-hmm. It actually, I got to a point where I had to just release the wheel and tell God, you take the wheel, God. I can't do it anymore. Mm-hmm. And that's when I had that thought. Finally, I have some clay to work with. God is such a gentleman that he is not going to remove our hands from the wheel. Mm. It has to be our choice. And I finally got to the point where I gave it to him. Wow. Okay. So that's part one of the story. (laughs) All the way up to that point. Part two of the story is actually the journey in another direction. So I gave my life to uh, God. And I was in Baton Rouge, Louisiana again at this point. And uh, I told him he has to make a way. Yeah. Well, you know, somebody invited me to a small group study at a church I used to attend in in college. Uh, The chapel on the campus, a wonderful church. And so I started to go back there. So, and somebody started, uh, and that small group study, guess what its name was? Tell me. It was uh, the bodybuilders. The bodybuilders. Uh, yeah. So somebody was like, hey, uh, do you want to come to the bodybuilders with me this yeah. Sunday? And hey, I like working out. I, I <laughs> try to stay in shape. I'm like, that sounds like a really good small group I need study. some friends to go work out with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I went, and I had my hair down middle of my back. I had my makeup on. I was presenting to the best of my ability as Billy the Female. And I go into the study, and it's uh, middle-aged to older people, couples in this group. And what I learned was they weren't building the body, physical body. They were building the body of Christ. Oh, my gosh. I love Christians. I love Christians. But you fell for it. Mm, I did. There you go. And you know, that very first session, they just finished one session, and they were starting another study, and the study was... Have you done something that you regret? <laughs> and so I'm like, really, Lord? And uh, the facilitator really did a great job introducing uh, the new study. And at the end, he actually shared that when he was a kid, he was in a store, he stole something. He got away with it, but he was always so guilty and he regretted it so much that as an adult, he had to go find the store manager and pay for it. And then he opened up uh, the floor for anybody else to share what they've done and regret. Wow. And then the Holy Spirit in me was saying, go ahead, Billy, go ahead, share. Tell him what you've done, what you regret. And I'm having this argument in my mind, my thoughts, and I'm saying, no way, they're going to kick me out of here. And uh, so um, I left. I didn't share. But that room that we met in was next door to uh, to the chapel, to the sanctuary. Okay. So going over there, I uh, met a greeter. She was handing out the pamphlets uh, for the service. And she saw me and said, you must be new here. And I'm like, yes and no. Uh, no, because I grew up in Baton Rouge and I uh, went to LSU, but I moved away for a long period of time and I'm just coming back to the chapel. So in a way, I'm new. She said, really? Well, what high school did you go to? Okay, I got to hit the pause button right there. Because I went to Catholic High, which is an all-boys school in Baton Rouge. Okay. And so if I would have told her that I went to Catholic High, I would have outed myself immediately. Right. Because what were you wearing? Oh. uh, um, Sunday's best. I think uh, slacks. um, 
I wasn't wearing a skirt that day, but I think um, a blouse, slacks. I had my makeup all done. Um, the, my bangs curled. And so, yeah. Yeah. She's like, what high school did you go to? I know. And if I would have said Catholic high, she, she would have really given me a look. So I said, um, I went to a Catholic school. This is your first day back in church in how many years? Mm-hmm. And this is the person at the door before you even go in. Right. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and I told her I told her a lie. I said, I went to a Catholic school. And she said, did you go to the academy? And I said, around there. <laughs> I took her brochure and I ran into church. And immediately the thought started to come into my mind. You see, Billy, you're living a lie. You have to keep telling lies. Mm. This is not good. You got to change this. And that was such a persistent thought in my mind that in the middle of the week, I had to call the facilitator up and ask, could you revisit that question again that you asked at the end of uh, this past Sunday's class? So he did. He did. He didn't out me. He just opened it up again. And I shared with the group in, in about 10 minutes of what was going on. Wow. This is your second time in the group. That's right. The bodybuilders. Right. And these were about 45 years and up in Baton Rouge. So In the Bible Belt. In the Bible Belt. Different generation, conservative area of the country. Right. Wow. And they loved me where I was. They embraced me. They Amazing. welcomed me. Amazing. They didn't chase me out like my other thoughts were telling me they were going to do if I confessed this. But wow. um, in that study... The study was true to its name, Building the Body of Christ, because we went in the Bible, we went in many different parts, we, we learned the Word of God, I was reading, I was asking questions, they were mentoring me and teaching me, and um, I was drawn close to, to God, and I was building my relationship with Him. All this time, I'm still presenting as female. And so... Um, Another really incredible uh, thing happened to me. Uh, the guy that shared the story about stealing something had a small group meeting that met every Wednesday night. So he invited me to his small group study uh, at his house, but I didn't want to push my luck at first. I said, thank you, but no thank you. But it came to a point where these thoughts started coming back into my mind that you need to accept Larry's offer. And go to his house. You need to go and join his study. So I, I, I listened to the thoughts. I called him up and said, Larry, is that offer still available? He's like, absolutely. This is when we meet and this is my address. Come on over. So I went over there. They had just finished the study. And they were starting a new study and a book um, on spiritual warfare by Jim Logan. Spiritual warfare. Yes, taking back surrendered ground. Spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare. Real quick, in case we accidentally breeze past that, what does that mean? You, what, what, can you explain what spiritual warfare is? Yes. So, And what did you think it meant, <laughs> your second Bible study? Like, you, I didn't know what it meant at first because growing up in the West, I'm, the physical world is really all that I know. Right. All mm, of us. Mm, yeah. Yeah. But I learned there's actually a spirit realm that is very close to our physical realm. Like a dimension. Yeah, other dimensions. Okay, Um, I'm a geek. You already know that I'm an engineer. So um, I don't know the ins and outs of this, but there's in, in the realm of science and physics, there's something called super string theory. And it says that there's actually 10 dimensions. We live in a 10-dimensional space, but we really only have access to three spatial and one time dimension, so four of those dimensions. And then also, um, to help paint a picture of this, of what, like, a spirit world, um, you know, you hear about near-death experiences of people dying on the operating table, and then they actually watching the surgery or the uh, resuscitation from the corner of the room. Yeah, yeah like out-of-body experience. Yeah. They look down. They can see the surgery happen. Later, they can retell events that happened in the room. They're like, how did you see that happen? You well, were dead. Right, 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 right. I have, I have a close friend who had a really incredible, has a really incredible story like that. I should have him on the podcast. But anyways, yeah, yeah. yeah. So what you're saying is 
that there are dimensions because I know a little bit about what you're, what you're saying. Um, I've studied it a little bit. There are dimensions that even science would recognize and say, "Hey, we there's there's stuff here that we can't see. There's an un, there's unseen realms or dimensions on some level that are yes. undeniable." Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you're saying spiritual warfare kind of gets into that category for those of you who are like trying to figure out where this fits. Yes, it does because just like we have germs that could do us harm, we can't see them. And even on this table in this room, there's so many germs that could do us harm. There's viruses, and and over the past we two years, that. we yeah. know about that. We can't see them, but they can do us harm. So just like uh, with spiritual warfare, there's uh, these things in these other dimensions that actually desire to do us harm. And they could actually, I learned this, they could actually put thoughts in our brain, into our mind. And that's, that's, the, that's just straight up solid biblical teaching, that there yeah. is an enemy and the, the darkness and the evil that we see in this world, that it is, it is attached to an agenda and that there is an enemy that wants to destroy you. Yes. Just like there's a savior who wants to save you, there's an enemy that wants to destroy you. And that the tactics yeah. of the enemy are lies and thoughts. And confusion. And confusion. And so often we think of the devil and we think of the exorcist and we think of him getting inside of our body and we think about all this kind of stuff. But whether or not that's true, what we do all have experience with, everybody who's listening to this podcast, is we can think of times in our life where thoughts have entered our mind and we've been like, where the heck did that thought come from? Yeah, out of the blue. And we think, why would, I, why would that cross my mind? And sometimes, Billy, stop me if I'm wrong, you're, maybe that thought didn't actually originate from yourself. Maybe somebody put that thought in your mind. You know, absolutely. You're on the right track. And I tell you what, after about 10 years of going to therapy to try to deal with the confusion I was having in my mind, after reading the books that had, hey, said that I had a birth defect, that I was actually, my mind was washed with the wrong hormones and therefore I had a woman's mind. Then I learned that not all of my thoughts are my thoughts. That was like a huge light bulb moment for me. After I bet. Hey, I spent over $100,000, over $100,000 easy on all of the therapy, on all of the surgeries, wow. everything I've done, not to mention the clothing. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, all that went to Goodwill, by the way. Um, you donated the wardrobe. I did. I did. I, I had to get an all-new wardrobe when I went back to mail. The whole time you're thinking, there's something wrong with me. I was born wrong. I'm defective. My brain's broken. I'm, wor you know, if if I can talk to some of the more common lies that we believe, I'm a failure. I'm always going to struggle. This is who I am. I can't change. These lies that come into our mind that sound first person are often demonic lies of an adversary who wants you to destroy yourself. The, yes. the enemy's power over us is pretty limited, but his lies are sure believable. And if the enemy can teach you to lie to yourself, you don't even have to, his job is done. You believe a lie in first grade and you, you just keep repeating that lie to yourself. Oh, I embraced it as my own. I, I took that thought. At first I rejected it. I'm like, this is crazy. But it kept coming into my mind enough that I eventually embraced it and started dwelling on it. Dude, as soon as I started doing that, I started moving in that direction. I believed it. It was a lie. It was deceitful. And I believed it as the truth. I went in that direction. What I learned in the medical uh, journals and the books I read was that that's where my happiness was. I spent all that time, energy, effort, resources, everything in trying to get to my happiness. I never did get there. But then when God came into my life, and building my relationship with him. Um, so in essence, uh, you know, uh, going back to your first question, um, can you be a Christian and can you be transgender at the exact same time? I will share with you that God loved me where I was, mm. but he didn't want, to, want me to stay there. Mm. He actually took me on a journey, and instead of finding happiness... 
dude, I've found peace. I've found wow. joy. I've found life. I've found fulfillment. And I tell you what, I'm totally 100% free right now. Wow. So you were hearing this lie in your mind. The medical community describes this from the We've gone over this in the master's program that I'm in, so I've done some reading on this, but I'm not going to say I'm an expert. But the the was the term gender dysphoria was that the was that the medical terminology in your day when or or was it called something else? No, in my day, uh, and then it was about 1990. It was transgenderism. Transgenderism. Okay, yeah. I was diagnosed or. Okay, I can't say I was diagnosed because my therapist never actually said, Billy, you're transgender. Mm. I self-diagnosed by saying I'm a woman, and we went down that path. And then she affirmed my thoughts and that diagnosis by giving me the letters and helping me, walking me down the path towards surgery and transition. I had a disorder in 1990, and it was called transgenderism. Today, it's no longer called transgenderism, and it's no longer called a disorder. It's called gender dysphoria, but I myself see it as just dysphoria, mm. confusion within the mind. And from my own experience and talking with others, both who did not detransition and those who have detransitioned, there's usually a lot of confusion and a lot of it stems from a childhood event. For me, it was both the sexual abuse and also the feeling of not belonging with the boys or being able to interact with the boys. For others that I've spoken with, they've been sexually abused. And in their mind and in their thinking, if they were not that sex, whether it be male or female, if they were the opposite sex, they would not have experienced that abuse. Mm. And so they're deep issues, but my therapist never did dive into my own childhood issues. And she helped me to walk forward toward surgery. And when you get back to um, a biblical worldview, which is, I mean, most of the people listening to this podcast may not share that, but that's where I come from and you come from. The scripture says that sexual sin, so when you talk about being molested, or being victimized, the scripture says that that's the, only, that's the only kind of sin that actually impacts the inside of us. That all other sins, like an outside, you yes. know, but yeah. sexual sin, it says in Corinthians 6, is like an inside thing. And that's why you'll see like a rape victim, for example, you know, feel not just taken advantage of, but feel dirty. Like where does yes. the feeling of dirtiness come from? Why I've taken seven showers, I still don't feel clean from what happened to me. Because the, it's something that's happened to you on the inside now. Because um, for whatever reason, we live in a world where people think sex is a physical thing. But we know the Bible teaches that sex is not just a physical thing. It isn't. And it's a part of a spiritual thing. Right. <clears throat> and so, you know, when you share your story about doing everything you can, the world told you to find happiness, and you went, you know, full-blown surgeries, everything you can to arrive at this place. I'm finally going to arrive at my true self, right? Right. Is what yep. a lot of people call this. You get there only to find yourself more unhappy, but in the mercy of God, you cry out to him, and he says, now I finally have some clay to work with, which is so beautiful. And Yeah, then, I relented. I, yeah. I totally gave everything over to him, and um, he took it from there. And what God was the truth that really— Yeah, I love how you described that. The truth. Uh, you said God is such a gentleman. I just love how you said that. Yeah. Yeah, because God is not going to... God did not make us robots. Right. Okay. God loved us so much that he gave us free will. And also, we can choose. We can make choices. It's something that I learned, and I'll share with you, and I love this. Because God gave us the freedom to choose, but he does not give us the freedom of the consequences of our choices. Right. So I chose many things. He let me drive. But in driving, oh, man, I got a scarred-up body. Uh, and I had lost a lot, a lot of money on the way. I even lost friends yeah. along the way. The consequences of my choices, I paid. 
What would you say to the person who is searching for truth right now and they're on the fence? I mean, every night they lay in bed on their phone and they're searching, can I be transgender and a Christian? Can I still be a Christian and transgender? Is it a, how do I reconcile the fact that I do believe in God and do believe in the Savior and I don't think he created me as wrong, but I still feel this about myself and yeah. I, I don't want to live like this forever. How, what would you tell the person searching for that truth? Where did they find that truth? How did it happen for you? You know, for me, I learned that I was in a spiritual battle. And when I learned that, I actually learned reading the Bible that God gave us, already gave us all of the provisions that we need to overcome and to be able to stand in this battle. God loves us where, where we are. He forgives us of our sins, but he wants more than that. He wants to adopt all of us as his children, mm. but it's our choice. Right. And it's like, you know, okay, force it. I, I, want, I want to be your child. Yeah. And uh, in doing that and becoming his child, we are given all of these provisions that we could pick up and stand in this battle and take our thoughts captive. And uh, once we understand that not all of our thoughts are our thoughts, and that we can renew our mind in the truth and take our thoughts captive, and that we are significant, secure, and accepted in God. Mm. Okay, we didn't talk Say about... Say that again. Say that again. Yeah, well, yeah. We haven't talked about this before. Every person is absolutely looking for significance, yes. security, and acceptance. Yes. And this world has many different recipes on how to offer yeah. that. You can find significance, security, and acceptance in a million different places. Oh, yeah. Your, your job, job title, right. how much money you got in the bank. But, you know, all of that can ev evaporate yeah. very quickly. But God, in and through him, we are significant. He loves us so much. We are secure because once we're in him, we are always in him, and the adversary cannot do anything about that. And we're fully accepted. And that's where we can satisfy those needs in a place that is just absolutely secure. You're talking today, Billy, like somebody who's completely on the other side of years of um, just torture. <laughs> yeah. Um, but have you ever gone back? Have you ever lost felt like you were losing the battle. Yes. And when we say spiritual warfare, we mean a battle of the mind. We don't mean yeah. getting out there with like holy water and, and incense right. and stuff like that. We mean like a battle in your mind. That's what we mean. Yes. But have you ever lost the battle in your mind? Have you ever begun to believe the lies again? Yes. And the adversary, boy, as soon as we do that, he's very quick to respond and saying, you see, God doesn't love you. Your backsliding, and uh, you know, you went to him, but now it's too late. You had mm. your chance. You blew it. And I did. Uh, so I learned to take my thoughts captive. But what happened to me was I started to believe other lies. The devil changed his tactic, so to say. The uh, enemy did. And so I started to get these thoughts. I'm filthy. I'm no good. I'm an abomination. God loves me, but he really doesn't love me. Stuff your father would never tell you. Oh, no. No, never, never. But I started to believe these. And my friend, I started to backslide. I started to backslide uh, and started to put on the makeup again and question my, my sexual identity. And um, until I actually learned more truth, um, because at that point, I only knew to talk, take my thoughts captive. But then in my journey, I also learned that God is just, God is merciful, and God is gracious. And that when we come to him, he does adopt us as his own, and our identity changes. Right. No longer are we just, uh, for me, this misfit that has gone through a lot of surgeries, uh, all scarred up, really bad journey. I mean, my friend, my, I even lost a child in abortion. Mm. So I, all Ten Commandments, I've broken them. Mm. I, I've broken them. So God can't love me. I started to backslide, but then I realized God forgives us and that Jesus paid uh, for all of my sins. 
So um, I learned the truth of who I am, and that really changed. And in learning who I am, a child of the Most High God, and that I am completely forgiven, and I am accepted, significant, and secure in Him, yeah, God loved me where I was, but He brought me on a journey, and He's moved me. And you know, He's still not finished with me. Well, help me with... Okay, let's, let's, let's hit a couple hot-button issues before we, we close this up. Okay. Um, as in the Christian community, we, and, and, and I'll speak as a pastor. I was talking to a, uh, I was, the last couple of weeks, there's a, a, a trans woman in our church, you know, who is clearly presenting as a woman um, or presenting as a man. I can't, I can't remember, but, but going through this struggle, right? And she says, my name is, and gives me a male name. I jump right into calling the name that she yeah. says. Right? Right. So she gave me a male name and I jump right into it. Yeah. You want to go by whatever it was, Mark? Mark. Mm -hmm. Right. And I don't really think twice about that because I'm I feel like that's the kind thing to do. Yes. Um is that the correct thing to do? Because, you know, um you know, I, I have a hard time with the idea that I can change anybody. I, my my job is not to yeah. change anybody. My, my I'm really not trying to change people. My, my my job is to introduce them to the God that changed me. Yeah, to love them yeah. where they are. So help help me with that because I think some people, I don't know how many of our listeners are like this, but they're like, I don't really don't know what to say or how to say or am I supposed to, is it compromising my faith to call them a male when they're really a female or like help us with that? And then what was your experience with that? Yeah, okay, I'm going to speak from my own experience and from my own position. Everybody has different thoughts on this and I've spoken to so many people with different thoughts, but this is Billy's thoughts. And from my experience is to love people where they are. Mm -hmm. That's what happened to me. And if somebody did not love me where I was, the devil would have been very quick to say, you see, um, holier than thou, uh, they're uh, they're judging you. You put they're putting you down. Um, you don't want to be there. Mm. And the people that I went to church with, they didn't kick me out. Uh, they accepted me and loved me exactly where I was, and they called me by the name that I desired to be called. That removed that ammunition from uh, our enemy. Yeah. Uh, to actually drive less a lies for you to believe, right? Right. So, because 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 if they if they if they say, oh, I'm not going to call you that name, then how safe is that person, and how how much can you really trust them, and how much you're going to believe things like they're trying to control me or or whatever you're going to or fix me. Oh yeah, so many people want to fix me. Yeah, 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 yeah. But by loving me where I am, because I've tried to change people in the past, and what has happened is that person has actually moved away from me when I tried to change them. But I have learned the hard way. Oh, my friend, I have a hard head. I have learned the hard way that um, we love them, we pray for them, and we let the Holy Spirit work in them. Because once they're introduced to the truth, the truth will set them free. I believe that wholeheartedly. I believe that too. Yeah. So, all right, bathrooms. Got to know. I mean... There's, there are a number of, and I don't even know if I'm using the right language, trans friends that I have uh, at church, and uh, nobody's standing by the bathrooms saying you can't use this one or the other one. Is that really such an issue? I mean, for me, I don't really think twice about it. I get, you know, where parents are raising concerns and all that kind of stuff. I, what was the bathroom? Did you use the, men, the men's bathroom or the women's bathroom when you went to church? What, what did you do? There again, I got to speak from my own perspective yeah. because this is such a hot button topic that so many people have different yeah. different uh, thoughts about this. But for me, when um, I was out, I used I used the women's bathroom. I was presenting as a woman, and um, I actually used the women's bathroom. And no usher ran in there and said, "Hey, mm, you no. can't use that bathroom." <laughs> no, no, they they didn't. And, and I used the women's bathroom, and uh, no usher ran in or anything like that. But I was also very respectful. Mm. Now some people may not be, but um, they didn't run in. 
and I had to relieve myself. So, and that's where I went. What about um, there's the, the, the there's the given name, and then there's often a new name that would be associated with the, the with their chosen gender, and then you get into this conversation of what is biological sex, and then what is the gender in which you identify. To me, I'm really kind of lost on that whole thing, and I don't want to mess it up. You know, I don't want to. I don't want to say the wrong thing and accidentally offend somebody. Um, yeah. And uh, I think, I honestly, I think I'm more worried about offending them and saying the wrong thing because, you know, the, the, my God is so clear about your job is to love people, man. He's like, you, you love your neighbor. Is. The most spiritual yeah. thing you can do is the way you treat somebody. The way you love people is the way you show God how much you love him. And I don't want to accidentally, you know, use the wrong pronoun or something and at the same time though there is an there is a, an argument or for lack of a better word that would say you don't want to reinforce some sort of lie that they're believing because if they're saying I've they're you know uh walk us through your experience with that you know my experience is that i there again i so enjoyed people loving me where i was so since i was presenting as female they would use the feminine pronouns with me and occasionally some people actually use the masculine pronouns i'm not a violent person or anything like that i walked away from those people i tried to stay as far away from those people as i could because that hurt me Mm. and yeah it's kind of true but it wasn't true here Mm -hmm. Uh, true and meaning my biological but I was a female, right? So uh, my thoughts were telling me the whole me. thing's confusing. Absolutely, and that's the key, and that's also another sign of the enemy is that yeah. it's all confusing. Yeah, because Father God is not confusing; He does not bypass our mind, and what He says does not change. And faith is never meant to be confusing or complicated. No, <laughs> I, no. Th- that's the point of this podcast: is trying to keep faith uncomplicated. And and somebody said the other day, they said, oh, thank you for making things uncomplicated. And I said, I'm not trying to make things uncomplicated. I don't think that what the Bible teaches or the way of Christ or Jesus, the person of of God, I don't think this is complicated. I think we're complicated. Yes. We make this stuff complicated. And then the purpose of this conversation is to try to keep it uncomplicated. Oh, and I hope we're doing that. You're doing a great job. But what you're doing, I love what you're doing is you keep saying this is my experience. Because, I mean, I know I have friends that are trans who would listen to this and be like, this guy, you know, it could be like, who pointed this man, the spokesperson for this transgender community? But you've never done that. You've said, this is my experience. This is my experience. This is my experience. And you can't argue with that. This is your story. This is what God's done in your life. You were looking for truth and you eventually found that truth and you went through a a torturous journey of both directions and what you finally arrived was the kind of truth to set you free and you stand here as a as a as a free man and you seem to be fulfilled and enjoying life and i think you know where are you at today you got it you got a special someone in your life yeah i gotta share that with you (laughs) and look at that smile on your face oh yeah 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 after detransition detransitioning around 2009 2009-ish um and i was actually uh working um at nasa at the time and uh so i was presenting as male again and then i met rachel around 2010 and uh we enjoy triathlons we enjoy hiking and uh we met at a fellowship of christian athletes endurance event and uh, I started uh, messaging her on Facebook. And then after that, we went on a coffee date. And then after that, we went on a, uh, an evening date, a dinner date. And I'm like, okay, I got to tell Rachel my story because we're, we're just about getting to a romantic situation. So um, I did. After the dinner date at my house, I shared with her what was going on and all about my journey. And her response to me was, that's great. Let's be friends. Mm. And so. um, That kind of hurts. No, actually, it was good 
because there again, she did not out and out reject me. Okay. I was excited about that response instead of, hey, see ya. Um, let's be friends was great. I'm like, awesome. So we can still go hiking. We can still go and uh, do triathlons together and uh, still have coffee. I'm just going to throw this out there because you have mentioned it. My man, Billy Burry, is a, he's an Iron Man. Come on. <laughs> he's an Iron Man. He's done. He's an Iron Man. He's swum. Swum? That's not even a word. You swum, swam. Come on. Swam, t- t- tell us what it is. You swim for an hour. 2.4. You bike for six hours. You run for another five hours. 24.6 and full marathon. Yeah. Yeah, that was fun. You're an athlete. That was a great day. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I thought. I, I mean, if you're an Iron Man, sometimes you just need a friend to just point it out. You know what I mean? Because you can't walk around time by you're an Iron Man, so no. you just need a friend. So sorry. So back to oh, back you. to Rachel. So yeah, so. you're like, listen, I'm an Iron Man, but I also oh. spent many years as a woman. Right. Wild. You told her over coffee. You told her over no. I didn't after at dinner. dinner. At dinner. I, no. 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 I. It was. I didn't want to make it dinner conversation, so I'm like, you know, i got to share something with you. Um, would you mind uh, coming over to the house and us sitting down for a little bit? I need to talk to you. And that's what I did. Um, I spent some time, shared with her, and she responded, let's be friends. So we kept hiking. We step, uh, kept going to triathlons. And uh, one day after a hike, we're sitting on a bench, and she put her head on my shoulder. And I'm like, hmm, maybe I should pursue her romantically, and I did, and uh, it was awesome, Uh, and it was 2011, we got married. Wow. Yeah, and... uh, God's good. He is absolutely good. How amazing is God? So, I love, uh, how amazing is God? All right, let's wrap it up. Okay. Look into that camera right there, if you would, Billy. Okay. This, one, this one right here over my shoulder. Okay. And anybody right now who's looking at their phone, laying in bed at night, or listening on this podcast while they're driving, and they are hearing some sort of lies about who they are that yeah. is not true. Yeah. How do you help them? Okay, I want to speak to you right now because we are in a battle, an unseen battle, and not all of our thoughts are our thoughts. We have thoughts that come into our head that belittle us, put us down, tell us many things about us that Father God does not say. These are total lies. Do not believe them. And draw close to God. His word is the truth, and there's so much love in there. And I tell you what, if you go into like uh, the book of Ephesians and you look in there to see what Father God says about you, he thinks that you're very, very special, and he loves you just where you are. The adversary, our enemy, is always going to keep try to work to keep us separate and away from others. Don't let him do that. Draw close to others. Build a relationship with God. We're all seeking happiness, but I can assure you, for me, my own self, I did not find happiness, but ultimately I found Peace, joy, love, fulfillment, and I am completely free of of all of that that tormented me in the past. That's good. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on, Billy. You traveled a long way to be here, but I believe that your message is one that's going to help people keep faith uncomplicated. I love you. I hope you come on the show again soon. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Love y'all.